Hi, this is Bill Thomas at Prairie Public, and it is April, which is National Poetry Month. So that means if you write a poem, read a poem, listen to a poem this month, you get extra credit, you get extra life points. Well, and we've got a great opportunity for you to rack up a bunch of poetry points in the next hour. We're going to start with Poems for the Moment. We asked a variety of North Dakota poets to Give us a poem for the moment, either something new they had written in this last year or something that seemed appropriate from their previous work. So those are great. And then later in the hour, we hear from the high school students who entered the Poetry Out Loud contest. Now, for this, they don't write the poems. They take poems by recognized poets and perform them. And they really put a lot into trying to bring out the feeling of the poem. So those are great, too. Lots of poetry this hour. We'll start with the first poet who responded to our poems for the moment call, Shad Peel. One of the toughest things as a poet, at least for me, is writing topical poetry. That is, poems of um, the times, poems for events. Um, but I do like to get assignments. And so I was pleased when Bill Thomas reached out to me asking if I had any poems that reflected our current times. And um, although I didn't, um, I said I would give it a try. I had been thinking of the idea of masks, both uh, real and metaphorical. And so this is masks. Believe me, it is much better to hide I only wear it to protect you from what I may possess or what is inside. My true self, my virus, what may become. The need to conceal our identities should not be so easily dismissed. Without our masks, we would all be too free to spread what we carry or what exists truly within. Much better to suppress and not to share indiscriminately. Beware those who claim a barefacedness. I do not wear a mask, they say. Not me. What is truth, anyway? It is all fake news, a hype, a con. Believe me, it's great. I'm Carol Capon Richinski, author of A Beautiful Hell and A Certain Kind of Forgiveness. And this is a poem for this moment. A place made of space. It's a place made of space. Still so wrong to believe there's no mystery here. A poem calls me home where my secrets are held, buried under a bed made of fears. Near to wildflowers and rivers, your memory will call you home to this love poem. A time made of longing, of postponed and closed for now, and find us in the clouds. Disembodied voices call me away from sunsets, sunrises, snowy owl dreams. A place made of space, a glance, a touch delayed, and vacations and kissing. A home in a poem, no difference between day 
and night, all mystery hours because promises unkept die, not a beautiful end. Under our feet, softness and goose down, this is a place made of space in this time made of longing. Hello, my name is Warren Strelickson. I graduated with a degree in English from the University of Mary in 2006. I graduated from East Carolina University with a degree in library science in 2018. I live in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I've been writing poetry for almost my whole life, including when I was a child. About six years ago, I wrote a poem called Dear Cold. In light of the recent coronavirus, I would like to retitle my poem by naming it Dear Coronavirus. I hope you like it. Dear Coronavirus Dear Coronavirus, you have been trying to catch me since Monday, and I have been avoiding you like the plague. Well, I don't mean to be snotty, but you are a bit of a headache, and sometimes you give me the chills. Although our relationship was nothing to sneeze at, I'm a little sore at the moment, and I fear that as soon as I stop fighting you, you will try to rub my nose in it. So don't try to come running back. I don't need another strain in our relationship. I wash my hands of the whole affair. I'm Bonnie Larson Steiger. I hope you enjoyed these three poems of the moment. Litany of Druthers I prefer hard sky in summer to hard earth in winter, the sublime stew of affection to a diet of isolation, samaras on a wind journey to wingless leaves encased in ice. I prefer nature without scruples to unrestrained moralists, midnight's ink in midsummer to December's dusk at 6 p.m. Life thick as a southern vowel to the austerity of grief. I prefer to be where grass revives the stone to the forced air of egos. People who don't take life personally to those who often hold high office. I prefer everything and its opposite to a day filled with waiting. I prefer the false enlightenment of 4 a.m. to somewhere between pride and shame, lying in the fat of the afternoon to recoiling from the day. I prefer contemplative silence to noise gnawing at my bones. It's all the rage. I'm not a political activist, nor am I disenfranchised, or without opinions, or one seeking a platform from which to wail or rail. I am an obscure plainswoman, easily dismissed and swept away, by the contrails of flyover folks in the red-eye sky. I am a brave descendant of survivors, ignored by coastal elites, 
thriving on a stubborn land of old souls among old stars. And last, when the water recedes, when the water recedes along the upper Missouri, what remains is ice. When I say ice, I don't mean a serene skating rink painted on a Hallmark card. I mean jagged ice jam shards like a pileup of 18-wheelers, flatbed trailers, and mangled Mitsubishis. When I tell you it's cold, I don't mean windchill mornings. Put on long johns, a heavier jacket, leave the car running cold. I'm saying risk amputation from frostbite freaking cold. Hello, this is Jamie Parsley. Recently, Bill Thomas asked me to share a few poems that might be reflective of the kind of difficult current situations that we're all living in right now. I actually had two poems that came to mind when he asked. One that deals indirectly with these times and one that deals a little more directly with what we're living with right now. The first poem that I'm gonna share is actually a very personal poem. It is a poem that I wrote just within the last couple of weeks and it deals with the, uh, the death of my brother who died very suddenly on June 18th of 2020. Although the poem was written about him and his own difficult life, I realized that it also speaks very loudly to all of us in these difficult times in our lives. The poem is Sometimes, and it is in memory of my brother, Jason Gould. Sometimes the world goes on without us. Sometimes we are simply left without a single word in our mouths. Sometimes we find ourselves standing at the window waiting for someone who will never arrive again. Sometimes we're the butt of the joke and the laughs cut us to the bone and leave us shaking with rage. Sometimes in our anger, we turn a color so deep and red on our faces, no one can even recognize us. But sometimes we are the jokesters. Sometimes we are the ones in control of the joke and the jeers. Sometimes the laughter washes over us and leaves us standing taller than we actually were. It is then, in that pristine moment, that we rise higher and higher, like a kite with ribbons brighter than the day around us. It is then that we fly so high, everyone around us loses sight of us. And in that wonderful moment, no one will be able to tell where we end and the sky begins. The second poem is a very short poem. It is an adaptation that I did, a sort of a translation from a poem by the great German playwright Bertolt Brecht. Brecht wrote this poem in the late 1930s in Germany in a time of deep national chaos and crisis. As we navigate through our own chaos of a time of pandemic and, and political division that's raging around us right now, I hope this poem reminds us that we do have a responsibility when these times end. We will have a responsibility when all of this passes away to actually remember and make sure that these times never happen again for us. It will be our responsibility after these times end to sing about these times.
The poem is Motto, after Bertolt Brecht. After these dark times, will we still sing? Yes, we will sing. We will sing loudly and clearly about these times. Bonjour, Anine. My name is Denise Lajmadir. The name of my poem is We Carry the Last Century. My father's mother died in the flu pandemic of 1918. I know little about her. As a child, she survived Indian wars, treaties, starvation, forced to live on a newly formed reservation. Now, a hundred years later, I tell my grandchildren, my grandmother died in the flu epidemic. I wonder if I will survive this new pandemic. I think of Kukum, 23 years old with two children under four. Did she wear a mask? I wear one made of dragonfly print, the dragonfly a protector during wars, a symbol of rebirth, hope, renewal. Was she afraid as death closed in? Did she suffer, lungs filling, unable to breathe? Will my grandchildren say, my grandmother died during the 2020 COVID-19 pandemic? I wear my mask and breathe. Mingwich, thank you. Denise Lajmadir. I asked her what she thought the role of poetry was during something like a pandemic. Yeah, I like what Joy Harjo has said. I was watching her uh, interview with, with Oprah. And she says, every poem has ancestors behind it. And I thought, wow, this is, this is exactly what I wrote about. I wrote about my, my grandmother. She's my ancestor. She says also that we are all stories. And I'm a narrative poet. I'm a storyteller. Um, she says, poems speak to the heart and soul and gut of it. And certainly that's what my poetry does. And that's what this poem does in speaking of uh, the, the fears of what's going on right now. And then she says that poetry can lead us out of despair. And uh, I, I certainly feel that my, my poems are um, poems about my life and, and fears and things that I've gone through. And it's, um, it's my therapy. My poetry has literally led me out of despair. So that's why I love poems. Hello, my name is Sean Ann Tangney. And the poem I'm going to read for you today is titled, For Jacob Who Has COVID. Um, this is certainly a reflection on the past year that all of us around the world have struggled with. Um, but uh, the poem looks not only backward, but also forward. For Jacob Who Has COVID, but only mildly, battling fatigue and the Novocaine brain of isolation, and for Bob, who has asthma cottoning his lungs, and Jess, who carries a city on her back, the clutching fear of it, for Amber, exhausted by the flat, still sea of days without names, and Jonah, who stows his worries on high shelves in dark closets so his children will never find them. For all of us now, with winter closing in and the radio predicting again and again the apocalypse riding in on four new horses, cold weather and holidays, lassitude and loneliness. Here are the few small things I can offer. 
in December, sailors will report stars they've never seen before. In January, calves will push hard to be born, steaming in thin blue air. In February, investments in construction paper and lace will pay off. In March, water will become visible again. And in April, we will remember the only prayer we really need. Thank you. Whisper it now in practice for the shouting later. Hello, I'm Larry Wywoody, the Poet Laureate of North Dakota. I'm going to read Poem 20 from Eventide, a book of poetry I published way back in 1977. And I'm going to leave off the head note to it because all these poems are interconnected. So this is uh, 20. It has no other title. I of necessity hold low tray soul. It's mostly heart and bleeding, Jesus. Gentlemen, be generous. Clobber me up in your rolls and let the commoners do the eating. I mean, uh, reading. You see, I've come up from across the sea families and families ago, and I feel it. One of those fellows sold a good heart for his three-penny soul. See, uncles, aunts, Norwegians, nieces, Germans, Finns, English, and a few Scots. Plus a trainload of cousins and their daughters and sons you'll never count, winding away out of sight down and through a coulee. Well, there's 47 cousins, so the sons and daughters, you probably, it'd probably be hard to count. It is for me. So watch for my words to fly away or hoe. Have seen me on a hot horse with no saddle and know about the pieces of silver in my hay. I'm the white cat, you called me, who laid that hash on you in Red Wing, Minnesota, black troubadour back from Hawaii. And now I need a tune or two to help ease my blue-edged, bruised, indebted, and undoubting. I mean, the many times I pried across the flyways into which the past leads. Not heavy. For you and take your hold you go down your uh, uh, ways that long logging sit tribe makeshift from which there's no no there's Christ's soul help these words have been in my tongue so long they're mangled and broken once like yours sweet singer they were song so that's poem is a little bit about confusion of identity, I think. And then uh, it seems to me a lot of confusion is being caused by the recent COVID. So I've uh, written a new poem. It's called COVID-1918. And uh, if the previous one seemed confusing, this one will probably seem even more so because the back and forth and the saying one thing and then saying the opposite uh, seems to me real confusing. So this this poem is about confusion. So if, if you don't uh, understand what's going on, perhaps uh, not many do. On the day I tried to drive to Elysium, the COVID crew wouldn't go. The road was dirt paid lies, crooked as who, what? Well, it's close enough. And covered, as they warned, 
with taunting monikers of hot who ho breath, greasy face masks, axe needles, and gates of thorny guff. Ditches sank between groves of snickering falsy tamaracks and deepened till the backside of China grew into view, warring on religion, and fell like dollars from indecent pharmaceutical deals far beyond the cheapened fake stars and planets aligned in coronal planned descent into a living hell. The road arrived at epic academic plandemic hooked into and along with gated merging murder, overlaid with brief bleeping cranial depletion breaking down fantasies that slaughter old stirs and gasping sadistic song. As far as seas on seas and peas porridge pot of nation six secretion goes. Does the road end there? 3 a.m. I settle inside G. Shaw's dream, lamp lit, his circular table of oak and nasturtium about to break into boom, not bloom, and shade my eyes toward Elysia, and it's not Elysium's morbid scheme I see, but mist from under a pickup, and you, dear love, and you, and you, and you. And then finally, I'm going to read a poem from Georgia Douglas Johnson, titled When I Rise Up. Georgia Douglas Johnson was a part of the uh, black playwrights, part of a Harlem Renaissance, the first black female playwright, many say, When I Rise Up. And I believe that she presents the exact attitude we all should have, rather than that kind of confusion. When I rise up above the earth, and look down on things that fetter me. I beat my wings upon the air, or tranquil lie. Surge after surge of potent strength like incense comes to me when I rise up above the earth and look down upon the things that fetter me. You are listening to Prairie Public and to a compilation of our Poems for the Moment project, funding from Humanities ND. Thank them very much for that. This is a project where we asked various North Dakota poets to contribute a poem or two or three that seemed appropriate for the moments that we have found ourselves in in recent times. And the one you just heard was from Larry Wywoody. He's the Poet Laureate of North Dakota. The next one is from someone who has strong roots and ties to North Dakota, spent a lot of time here, including growing up, but is currently the Poet Laureate of Iowa. Hello, friends. I'm Deb Marquardt. I'm happy to contribute this poem to Poems for the Moment with Prairie Public Radio. I've been thinking a lot about spring lately and the way that spring conspires to pull us out of the miasma of deep winter. And this poem is called Winter Amaranth. Pulled from sleep, I watch the dark outlines of deer nuzzle soft ground beneath my spruce and accept we will not have crocuses this spring, where I knelt and nestled bulbs three inches deep, fleshy corms encased in onion skin tunics, ovaries turned up, adventitious roots pressed down. All winter, I dreamt their prayerful hands, royal purple and lavender, cresting cold ground. 
We've lost so many this year, my dearest friend among them. Her fading a grievance I cannot reconcile, the forfeiture that living on requires. Spring will arrive, tulips trumpeting orange and red news. Daffodils will rise and spread their frilly white and yellow skirts. I don't begrudge the deer who ate the bulbs. A tithe all nature extracts. Crocuses grow in their bellies now. The stigmata of saffron crimsons their blood. Just as the heathered violet of my friend's voice echoes on in me, like sweet amaranth, an undying flower that blooms everlasting. And the deer will be my family now. That poem is written in memory of my friend Barbara Crow, a wonderful poet in her own right, who we recently lost during the deep winter season. And I'd like to finish by reading a poem of Barbara's. This is from her chapbook, published by Dakota Territory Press, called Going On. I can't say I'm unhappy to be alive this spring morning. Windows open for the fresh wind. Birds at it for hours are starting to tire. A cat is limping into bushes. Who knows what he's been up to? Over the road, a man and his wife return from rollerblading, their baby in a stroller, sailing ahead of them like a figurehead on a sloop. Earlier, driving west, I swerved to avoid a gopher, flattened and bloody in the middle of the road, another gopher running to and fro. I know a man who, when he finds something dead on the road, stops, picks it up, carries it to the earth, and blesses it. And that's a poem from Barbara Crow from her chapbook, Going On. And if you want to read more of Barbara Crow's work, check out her book, Coming Up for Light and Air, published by New Rivers Press. Thank you. Hello, this is Madeline Camrude, and the poem I'm going to read is called The Walk. I wrote the poem, didn't like it. What follows is the second version of what I kept. Change some things, kept some things. You won't know what was lost. You will hear those references to those in certain parts of the poem. And I did save the title, and that is still unchanged. It is called The Walk. The Walk. I wrote a poem slashed words like unprecedented test tube lab experiments, vaccine, pandemic, COVID, and virus. Didn't like those words. Like less what I'd said. Negative. What reason have I to complain? Summer blurred, days erased. Weeks of weeks lost. Can't blame it on disease. More likely aging. What I saved is the grace of the walk. Freedom for me under trees, sky, and sun. Yes, I'm a fan of weather 
and music. iPhone-tuned BB King singing come together when all we hear is stay apart. I cut the COVID image like a golf ball decorated for Christmas on TV. Kept the part about the 1918 flu to honor my father, Bugler, Company C. Camp Custer's soldiers dying. He rode bodies home on trains, played taps for their funerals. Saved the boots, center of the room. Moves me like that room Holocaust museum. I've wondered since what it is about boots. Shoes once walked in, vacant as houses, bones, no flesh. Maybe the walk they once were is the sadness. Maybe it's how life's rhythm stays creased or scuffed in leather, soul worn thin. Could be that shoes are the walk even when no longer worn, even when your legs won't carry you anymore. You'll find a way to move ahead. Shoes or boots, leather or not, yours, mine, come together one step, then two, moving on, moving on. Thank you for listening. Have a good day. My name is Natalie Pierce, and in between my day job and raising two young boys, I write poetry. So it started out as I wanted to send some letters to family and friends to connect during this time of social distancing. It's always so much fun to get something in the mail besides bills and junk mail. Also, I'm part of a snail mail group, and I was really behind on my letter writing, and I owed a bunch of people a letter. So I got a big stack of cards and envelopes together, and I was thinking about what to write. The first line was a pretty logical opening, just a note to send some cheer. I usually start up my day by reading some poetry, and I think that day I had been reading Keats or one of the hardcore rhyme and meter masters, so I was in that frame of mind, and the second line just tacked itself on with a rhyme from far away to you right here. That sounded like such a smart coupling. I felt like I couldn't just leave that hanging there, like it needed a whole poem after it. Plus, most of my poems are prose poems. Rhyme and meter are completely secondary to the thought I'm trying to express. So for a while, I'd been thinking, okay, seriously, one of these days I need to just get to it and write a poem that rhymes, because they're fun to read. So here, this opportunity had fallen into my lap, and I decided... I wasn't going to let it go until I'd finished a poem that was fit for general consumption. That first couplet was bound so tight together that it set a rhythm for the rest of the lines, so I stuck with that form, just adding couplets. I started out with lighter material, adding the parts about being stuck at home and how it's not so bad. Then some of the themes I've been working on in my other poetry, some deeper thoughts, started working their way into the lines. So I had some lighter material and some deeper material that were kind of disjointed from each other, and I had to keep rearranging those couplets for a while to get it to flow all together. But then, after about three hours, this poem came out, and it was done. Just a note to send some cheer from far away to you right here. Although the days may look the same, each set inside a homebound frame. Move quieter, and you'll awake 
the clearer tones each difference takes. Inside the stillness you will find our hearts all climb on the same vine. And while we breathe and while we see, though distant in our geography, the misty ends of all we hope still harmonize in one sole note. Whatever troubles you've been weaving, drop them, drop them without grieving. You will come again to face the gale, to know your mettle and to prevail. Until then, let ambitions rest, the barmates laugh, the weekend guest. The clouds will pass, the weather change, and what was calm will rearrange. So hold fast still to your small shoot, sip wisdom flowing from the root. The buds will shiver off the dew and open to the sun anew. This poem is really simple, just kind of lilting and rocking. The pace of our lives is so frenetic. There's so much noise in our world and so many things constantly asking for our attention. I think it's easy to be distracted from things that really matter. So when people hear this poem, I hope the poem can create a space where all that noise goes away and the listener can find out what they notice or hear inside that space. Also, lately, I'm focused on this idea of the oneness of everything, that we all draw from the same pool of energy and we're all connected within it. You can look at the macrocosm of the universe and you can look at the microcosm of what's inside an atom, and you can look just as far in either direction. Uh, at this moment in time with the pandemic, we're kind of being denied one of those options to get out and explore and move bigger. But I hope this poem will help people remember that there's this microcosm of your internal spirit that if you travel deep enough into, allows you to connect to other people in a sense by coming to understand that universal force better. So I hope this poem helps people feel connected to others, even though they may be physically distant right now. This is Emily Vwig. Well, this one is um, the first Friday in June, and I wrote this a few years ago, but it really does fit. Um, because this year in June, we were in the midst of COVID, and we were all kind of wondering what's happening next, when can we go back to normal, and the ending of this kind of fits with, well, maybe we can't quite go back to normal because, and we'll see at the end. So, here we go. The first Friday in June. The moment when you leave your office and head to lunch in the misty rain, you blink and sniff the North Dakota air, and you are in Grandma's backyard in Massachusetts, running around the pool, chasing your sister, the rabbits, and the cousins you see once a year. The rumble of the AC unit in the next building is really the pool filter in Grandpa's shed where we change, girls, then boys, into our swimsuits for one final dip in the pool before we leave for home tomorrow at 5 a.m. Mom wants us packed before dinner. We just want to play one more time, one more slide in the deep end, one more water somersault in the shallow end, one more of my sister's magic jumps off the diving board. I never figured out how to jump in without getting my head wet. You arrive at your building, scan your ID, and awaken to the fact that you're not 12 anymore, and the world is not Grandma's backyard. Jungle Jim is the title, and 
I was having a difficult time one day, and I was just like, gosh, I feel like I'm failing. I feel like I'm falling. I don't know what's going on. And this is the poem that came out of that thought. So, Jungle Jim, I feel like I'm failing, galloping down a metal slide, thighs burning from the sticking. Focus. Remember this feeling. It is 98 degrees in St. Louis in August, and you are just trying to play at recess when the gorilla dares you to climb the high slide reserved for sixth graders. You are the chicken, so they'd never believe that at home, in your own backyard, you fly through the air, eyes closed, wind flapping your pigtails across your face. You surprise them all and hoist yourself without handles to the apex and hobble back to class wearing your slide burn with pride. Slide burn. Slide burn. <laughs> St. Louis in August. That's yeah. what you get at recess is you get slide burn and burn palms from monkey bars. Oh, yeah. You can't uh-huh. wear jeans on the playground. That's for wimps. <laughs> you got to wear your shorts. This poem was actually inspired by a tweet that um, I came across on Twitter by Kelly uh, Agadon. And I messaged her and said, I have to use this tweet in a poem, and please let me. And she said, absolutely, have fun, have at it. So, And she later she tweeted this title, um, not as a title, but I said, now see what you're doing to me, Kelly? Now you gave me the title for the poem. And she said, oh, my gosh, how amazing. So the title is, I'll Read Poems by the Pomegranates. If I designed grocery stores, I would sell books of poems next to the wine, the seltzer, and in the chocolate aisle. Tabloids would live near the recycle bins in the back dock, and newspapers would not hide stuck behind the rent-a-vac counter. Sylvia Plath would manage the floral department, clipping tulip stems and filling birthday balloons while wearing a half-smile and a stoic gaze. Customers would pick their own apples from the produce orchard, Rilke looking on, shaking his head at each poor decision made by men, choosing parsnips, not radishes, turnips, or yams. In the dollar aisle, instead of gum, one could buy poetry prompts. Out in the alcove, Emily Dickinson clutches her umbrella and clacks her fingernails on the windowsill, waiting for a taxi. I wonder what Bukowski ponders as he stocks the paper goods in aisle nine, while assistant manager Ginsburg wanders the gluten-free aisle, still searching for Whitman. On the back of the receipt, instead of coupons for fabric softener and car oil changes... A haiku. Emily Vwig, and she was part of a compilation of the Prairie Public Project called Poems for the Moment. We got funding for this from Humanities ND. We thank them very much for that. They are an independent agency in North Dakota with funding from the National Endowment for the Humanities and other sources. And uh, we also got advice about poets to ask to be in the series from the North Dakota Council on the Arts. And what we did, we asked poets to bring us something that either 
they had written recently in response to 2020-2021 and the experiences that we are having in that period of time, or to recall poems that they had already written before but that seemed to them a good response to this period of time. You can go to prairiepublic.org and just search poems for the moment and go to the page. You can listen again to any of these or download them, or you can read them because the text of all the poems is there as well. I want to thank all the poets who participated so far in Poems for the Moment, Shad Peel, Carol Kapalmachinsky, Warren Sturlogson, Bonnie Larson-Steiger, Madeline Camrude, Deborah Marquardt, Jamie Parsley, Natalie Pierce, Shonan Tangney, Emily Bewig, and Larry Wywoody. Thanks to all of them. But we can't stop here. It's National Poetry Month. Let's go to Poetry Out Loud. The Barnacle by A.E. Stallings. The barnacle is rather odd. It's not related to the clam or limpet. It's an arthropod, though one that doesn't give a damn. Cousin to the crab and shrimp, when larval it can twitch and swim and make decisions. Tiny imp that flits according to its whim. Once grown, with nothing more to prove, it hunkers down and will remain stuck fast, and once it does not move, has no more purpose for a brain. Its one boast is, it will not budge, cemented where it chanced to sink, sclerotic, stubborn as a grudge, settled it does not need to think. When I first read The Barnacle by A.E. Stallings, I loved it. It was perfect. It was everything that I was feeling about the world, especially at that time, because it's about how stubborn people are. And once they're in one mindset, they're only in that mindset and they will never change ever. And it's it's kind of it's a little comedic, but it's also very bitter about that feeling that you get when you're trying to talk to someone and they are just so stubborn and it's hard to explain actually i think that was a pretty good explanation and that was kylie howitt and she is the statewide champion for 2021 for poetry out loud that means that she goes on to the nationals it was a different manner of contesting this year for poetry out loud elizabeth gross who helps rebecca engelman at the north dakota council on the arts coordinate the contest talked about it a little bit during the award presentation ceremony This has truly been an extraordinary year for schools all across the country. Students have discovered within themselves a strength, courage, and resiliency like never before, and teachers have found innovative ways to ignite a passion for learning and a passion for poetry. This year, a total of 17 North Dakota schools stepped up to take the 2021 Poetry Out Loud Challenge, and it is with great enthusiasm that we salute those 17 students for their efforts. Elizabeth Gross at the award ceremony for Poetry Out Loud earlier this year. I should mention that uh, although the Poetry Out Loud contest is organized by the North Dakota Council on the Arts in North Dakota and the National Endowment for the Arts nationally, our coverage of it here at Prairie Public is funded by Humanities ND, and we thank them for that support. So we heard Kylie Howitt doing the barnacle. Here is from 
another person who placed in the top finishers at Poetry Out Loud. This is Lillian Kiefert from Valley City High School. I am offering this poem by Jimmy Santiago Baca. I am offering this poem to you since I have nothing else to give. Keep it like a warm coat when winter comes to cover you, or like a pair of thick socks the colds cannot bite through. I love you. I have nothing else to give you, so it is a pot full of yellow corn to warm your belly in winter. It is a scarf for your head to wear over your hair, to tie up around your face. I love you. Keep it. Treasure this as you would if you were lost. Needing direction in the wilderness life becomes when mature. And in the corner of your door, tucked away like a cabin or hogan in dense trees, come knocking and I will answer, give you directions, and let you warm yourself by this fire. Rest by this fire and make you feel safe. I love you. It's all I have to give and all anyone needs to live and to go on living inside when the world outside no longer cares if you live or die. Remember, I love you. Lillian Kiefert from Valley City High. Uh, Here she is talking a little bit about the process. In our school, we did our uh, first poem for a class we had for public speaking. That's a class I was taking. So my first poem I picked was I'm offering this poem from the love section of the Poetry Out Loud website. And I just really felt connected to that one. And I felt like I had a great way of expressing myself. So then I decided to continue that love theme throughout the other two poems. So I am offering this poem. That one was really fun. I actually enjoy that one the most because I feel like I can really take my time with it and make some words more powerful. Hearing Lillian say that uh, about making certain words more powerful brings out the difference between the poetry out loud approach and slam poetry that is had a, a vogue a few years ago and it's still around. And in slam poetry, uh, it, it's poetry recitation, usually of a person's original work, but not always. And uh, it's, by comparison, much more dramatic with often a lot of gesture and, uh, and very dramatic pauses and dynamic variations and, you know, loudness. The Poetry Out Loud criteria call for taking it easy on that stuff. The focus is supposed to be on the poem, not the acting out of the poem, but the poem itself. So the approach they take is to have the contestants memorize the work and then deliver it in a way that calls attention to the the meaning and the depth of the poem. And the judges, of which I am one, uh, use a set of criteria about how clearly they speak and their physical presentation and and they are also judged on how well they remember the poem and using those criteria they're given a score you know kind of like figure skating or a speech contest and by those scores then the finalists are chosen and the top 
winner, the champion, is also chosen that way. And I should mention that the finalists this year, Kylie Howitt from Northern Cass was the overall champion. Hannah Severson from Windmere was a finalist. Lillian Kiefert from Valley City High School. Josephine Evenson from North Border Pembina High School. And Morgan Mostoller from Wapiton High School were the finalists. So talking about that approach of poetry out louds, of uh, a more moderate and, and interpretive approach, let's go back and listen to Kylie Howard again, the, the person who's going on to nationals, and hear how she does it. Dream Song 14 by John Berryman. Life, friends, is boring. We must not say so. After all, the sky flashes, the great sea yearns. We ourselves flash and yearn, and moreover, my mother told me as a boy, repeatingly, ever to confess your board means you have no inner resources. I conclude now I have no inner resources because I am heavy bored. Peoples bore me. Literature bores me, especially great literature. Henry bores me with his plights and gripes as bad as Achilles, who loves people and valiant art, which bores me. And the tranquil hills and gin look like a drag. And somehow a dog has taken itself and its tail considerably away into mountains or sea or sky leaving behind me wag wag <laughs> kylie howitt winner of the north dakota poetry out loud contest 2021 normally when the poetry out loud event is a live event they have brought in a poet with some connection to the state so somebody who's a professional poet and one of them is somebody who has done some workshops around the state this is Joseph Davis, who I hijacked over from the 2018 Poetry Out Loud event. I think about when I first got into poetry, um, the very first time I was ever writing poems, I was, I was like writing to my schoolyard crush to like get a kiss behind the swing set or something, you know, it was really silly, really goofy. I always say my friends would be like, ooh, you're going to get cooties. I was like, so what? I want to get cooties. <laughs> And it was really goofy and really silly, but poetry became a really important part of my life because around that time I actually got really sick and I was hospitalized and I missed my classes and I missed hanging out with my friends, but I would still write poetry. And, and during that time I was able to pour my heart and my soul into the words and things that I, I couldn't quite understand, I, I couldn't make sense of in the world, I could make sense of through writing poetry. And of course I had teachers and mentors and people in the community of my life who supported that writing and supported me sharing that work. And it's because of those people. Can we just make some noise real quick for teachers and mentors in the room today, the community? Because without them, without them, this wouldn't be possible. I wouldn't be standing with you here today. So I'm, I'm incredibly indebted to educators and, and, and artists and mentors in my life who have influenced me to do what I love and pursue my passion. Help me cultivate the craft, because it's not just about recitation, it's about participation and getting involved and supporting each other as well. Joseph Davis, and speaking of supporting each other, 
some people talk of sometimes about the Poetry Out Loud family. What about actual families? I discovered there is kind of a Poetry Out Loud dynasty at Northern Cass High School. Yes, it turns out the 2017 statewide champion was Zachary Howitt. Is there a family resemblance? Yes, I think so. And I couldn't resist going back and pulling up a poem that he did in 2017 that I really liked. This is back in the days when we all shared aerosolized droplets while expostulating poetry passionately in an enclosed room. And it's a great poem for it. Zach Howitt from 2017. Buick by Carl Shapiro. As a sloop, with a sweep of immaculate wing on her delicate spine, and a keel as steel as a root that holds in the sea as she leans. Leaning and laughing, my warm-hearted beauty, you ride, you ride. You tack on the curves with parabola speed and a kiss of goodbye. Like a thoroughbred sloop, my new high-spirited spirit, my kiss. As my foot suggests that you leap in the air with your hips of a girl, my finger that praises your wheel and announces your voices of song, flouncing your skirts, you blueness of joy, you flirt of politeness. You leap, you intelligence. Essence of wheelness with silvery nose And your platinum clocks of excitement stir Like the hairs of a fern. But how alien you are From the booming belts of your birth And the smoke where you turned On the stinging lathes of Detroit and Lansing at night And shrieked at the torch in your secret parts And the amorous tests but now with your eyes that enter the future of roads, you forget. You are all instinct with your phosphorus glow and your streaking hair. And now, when we stop, it is not as the bird from the shell that I leave or the leathery pilot who steps from his bird with a sneer of delight. And not as the ignorant beast do you squat and watch me depart. But with exquisite breathing you smile with satisfaction of love. And I touch you again as you tick in the silence and settle in sleep. Whoa, settle down, social distancing. Zach Howitt from the 2017 Poetry Out Loud contest. We're going to finish with one by Hannah Severson. She was one of the finalists this year. She's from Windermere Public Schools. And this poem, I can't believe it's less than a minute. There is so much in this minute, and she pulls it out. So listen to this. Domestic Situation by Ernest Hilbert. Maybe you've heard about this. Maybe not. A man came home and chucked his girlfriend's cat in the wood chipper. This really happened. Dinner wasn't ready on time. A lot of other little things went wrong. He spat on her father who came out when he learned about it. 
he also stole her checks, broke her pinky, and got her sister pregnant. But she stood by him, stood strong through it all, because she loved him. She loved him, you see. She actually said that. And then she went and married him. She felt some unique call. Don't try to understand what another person means by love. Don't even bother. But you can try to understand what people mean with poetry. Hannah Sievertson from Windmere. You'll hear more from Poetry Out Loud on Prairie Public. In the meanwhile, thank you for listening, and I want to thank the North Dakota Council on the Arts and Humanities ND for their support of this programming. I'm Bill Thomas at Prairie Public.